I'm excited to share some information with you about a company called Lasso. Lasso is a software platform that helps cattle farmers receive real dollars and recognition that they deserve for decreasing greenhouse gas emissions. With Lasso, it's easier than ever to input and manage the data needed for applications and forms, faster to get verified for your sustainable practices, and find upfront or recurring funding for greenhouse gas emissions reduction. For on-farm data collection and management, Lasso removes the headache of time-consuming and tedious data entry. Now it takes hours, even days, to collect and input all the data that you need, for example, to get paid or get compliant. With Lasso, it only requires a few clicks as Lasso plugs into existing on-farm management systems to replace that manual work. Even with data on hand, are you still not sure about what the best option is for your farm to reduce emissions? Lasso is here to recommend the best carbon reduction practices for your specific financial, operational, and environmental goals. For verification, Lasso removes the paperwork and complexity of working with third-party verifiers and project developers. Lasso handles this paperwork and process of getting your sustainable practices verified by trusted agencies to receive the credits you deserve. Finally, for funding, Lasso removes the barriers to accessing tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars in monthly funding. Lasso matches you to eligible government or private grants, offsets, or other sources of funding to reward you for your work. With your approval, Lasso will apply on your behalf and keep you updated on your funding status. If you're already participating in sustainability programs, thinking about doing so, or wanting to learn more, Lasso is your partner to support you. They work tirelessly to help farmers get credit and funding for their good stewardship practices to protect their legacy for generations to come. If you're interested, go to www.joinlasso.com or contact the team at contact at joinlasso.com or call 408-256-1098. That's 408-256-1098 for a free consultation. North American Egg Spotlight. I'm Chrissy Wozniak. My guest today is from AEM, the North America-based international trade group uh, representing off-road equipment manufacturers and suppliers. They've recently re- released their AEM Egg Tractor and Combine report, and I thought that this was a good time to talk about the industry trajectory as we head into the new year. From Des Moines, Iowa, I'd like to welcome AEM Senior Vice President of Agriculture Services and Forestry, Kurt Blades. Thank you so much, and welcome, Kurt. Thanks for your time today. You bet. Thanks for having me on this morning. First of all, let's uh, let tell me a bit about your background and how you came to your role at AEM. Yeah, well, uh, the best way to describe my background is I'm a farm kid from Missouri, and uh, you know, sixth generation uh, farmer wow. of corn, soybeans, wheat, and cattle. And uh, like many farm kids, uh, it's in your blood; you can't get it out. So although I'm not on the farm on a daily basis, I do have the good pleasure of representing the ag industry in lots of different capacities around the world. And it's, uh, you know, we've got a pretty daunting responsibility of feeding the current 8 billion uh, people in the world and doing it in a way that, uh, you know, makes sense both economically and sustainably. So that's how I got how I got to where I am right now. I've been in this role for about five years representing arguably the most interesting part of agriculture right now, which is equipment because of all the technology that's happening. Uh, oh, that's yeah. what brings me to dead. 
That's awesome. Yeah. And the technology is just mind blowing these days. So uh, that's really exciting. And how does AEM serve the agriculture industry? Well, so AEM, the Association of Equipment Manufacturers, represents five sectors, ag, construction, forestry, mining, and utilities, and uh, off-road equipment in all of those sectors. And you'd say, well, some of those don't necessarily interact. I'll tell you, um, there's a lot of farmers that have bulldozers, and there's a lot of construction people that have four-wheel drive tractors. So there's a whole lot of uh, uh, interaction there. But what AEM does is we provide a unified voice uh, for those off-road uh, equipment manufacturers to advocate on behalf of the ag industry uh, for issues that are are pretty darn important, um, you know, such as mechanization uh, and making sure that uh, equipment uh, is, uh, you know, allowed to be operated in every region of the world uh, uh, with good mechanization. We wake up every day making sure that uh, uh, the equipment is safe to operate. So we create standards um, for safe operation and, uh, um, you know, try to remove that human error as much as we possibly can. Uh, your listeners, if they're in the ag space, will appreciate one of the things that AEM is in charge of on a global basis is the uh, graphical symbols. So if you know the twisty, twisty guy that's around the PTO shaft, that, that image is developed and maintained by the Association of Equipment Manufacturers in a way to, to, to make sure that people are safe. Uh, we we huh. keep track of images like that and make them available at no charge to all manufacturers and anyone that want to use them just to make sure the operators are safe. That's a really easy example. But one of the other things that we do is provide good market intelligence uh, for everyone in the, in the industry. And that's to, to you know, help our manufacturers be able to predict what they're going to be doing next year, but also to help the rest of agribusiness uh, get a pretty good sense of what the ag market's looking like uh, you know, today and moving into the future. Right, yeah. And when I was in college and seeing the, the pictures on the farm equipment, I, I was like, how do you get that job? That sounds so fun. To- <laughs> So now I know who does those. It took me you know, 20 day. years, yeah. but <laughs> uh, well, that's pretty cool. So you just re- released a report called Combine Harvesters, Four-Wheel Drive Tractors Grow Despite Overall Losses in November. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you explain the report and what you found? Well, so every month for the last 30 years, uh, the Association of Equipment Manufacturers have put out what we call the Tractor and Combine Report. And it basically shows the growth or decline month over month and year to date for uh, tractors and combines. And we break it into three categories of, or excuse me, four categories of tractors, uh, three categories of two-wheel drive. So under 40 horsepower, 40 to 100 horsepower, and over 100 horsepower. And then articulated four-wheel drive tractors in addition to combines. And we've been doing that for a long time. So you've got really cool trend numbers that, that indicate, um, you know, as we've kind of learned over the last few years or last 30 years is that uh, as tractor sales go, so goes the uh, ag economy. It's a pretty good indication of, of people's uh, uh, thoughts uh, of the overall ag economy. You don't buy a you know, half million dollar combine or articulated four wheel drive tractor, unless you feel pretty good about what your future is going to hold. So we like to use those numbers in lots of different ways. The November numbers showed overall decline, but showed some real signs of life in categories that are, that are specific to production agriculture. As an example, uh, under 40 horsepower tractors were actually down and they've been down for the entire year, Uh, down in the month of November, about 30% over last year in November. And they're down about 18% for the year. That doesn't tell the whole story. 
uh, because in 2021, those numbers were record high. So we're comparing growth against record high, not necessarily the whole story. Um, that small horsepower tractor represents such a huge volume of numbers. It does skew the overall total. But the number that we like to pay most attention to is uh, 100 plus horsepower tractors in the month of November were actually up 6% and they were up about 13.5% for the year. Well, that's a traditional row crop tractor. That's a pretty good jump over solid numbers from the previous year and an indication that the farm economy is strong and there's a lot of optimism out there in farm country. Yeah, good points. And is this measuring both U.S. and Canadian markets then? So the numbers that I just quoted there are the U.S. Uh, Canada looks very similar. Um, for the month of November, we actually were a little bit down for the month of November. And year to date, we're a little bit little bit off of, of uh, where the U.S. are, but they tend to track uh, one-to-one. Um, depends on the year of whether they're exactly one-to-one. Canada is an interesting market to take a look at because, um, uh, you know, for whatever reason, whether it's uh, you know, um, uh, timing of of, uh, of imports or exports, uh, it just kind of creates some, some differences there. Uh, but I'd say that uh, for the most part, I would consider the markets to be tracking one-to-one. Uh, in the case of Canada for November, we were actually down 14%. Uh, in November, but we were up. But for the year, we're up about two percent uh, for that 100 plus horsepower. Uh, on the flip side of that, we're actually down less in the small horsepower in Canada than we are. Uh, so, you know, I think we're splitting hairs in terms of of uh, of any major differences. They tend to look very similar. Right. Yeah. And then you said uh, with the sub 40 horsepower segment that it had grown fast. Uh, was that a product of COVID? Like, what what what's attributed to that? Absolutely was a product of COVID. If you look at the the markets that did really well during the lockdowns were things that were involved people investing in their homes, uh, whether it was, you know, luxury goods or uh, if you looked at Home Depot and Lowe's stock, it was through the roof. Uh, tractors fall into that category. Pinball machines of that all things uh, were all through the roof. But people that, you know, you usually had some disposable income, they might have been spending on a trip to Europe. Well, you can't go to Europe during uh, COVID lockdowns, so they were investing back in their properties. And what we found is that there's also some some interesting fundamental shifts in the um, overall market with telecommuting. And there's a there is a, a reversal of the uh, urban rural split where folks are actually leaving urban areas and moving. Uh, there's actually been a nice growth in in some of the uh, rural areas. Well, all those people that move into rural areas, they kind of need something to tend the land. Then to start with 40, under 40 horsepower tractors. So that market's been very strong uh, around the world, and it's directly as a result of the pandemic. Wow. I think we're seeing the decline right now because of that m- demand being met in the short run. Okay. I yeah. believe long term, that level is going to be at a higher level because there's just simply going to be more demand for those smaller horsepower tractors as folks move uh, out of urban areas and into some of the suburban suburban and rural areas because they can and we can work from anywhere. Yeah, that makes sense. And so what does the increase in large machines and combines suggest for next growing season? Well, I would like to say that uh, it's a it's a show of optimism. I mean, I think the predictions for uh, net farm income in uh, the U.S. and Canada for 2022 are expected to be really high. In 2021, they were you know, record highs. So uh, I think we're, predict- despite 
the the well published and and well felt uh, you know, expensive uh, input cost net farm mm-hmm. income is actually still up for 2023. It's predicted to be uh, down a little bit, but still at a very you know nice nice level. And I think what you can say is that farmers feel optimistic about the next five to ten years of their of their ag products if they're willing to invest in new technology of a tractor or new technology of a harvester. So it's optimism, I think, is the the, the one word I put behind it. Right. Yeah. Well, that's that's great. Are rising interest rates uh, going to have a significant impact? Do you think? Of, of course. I mean, it's again, we're talking about big pieces of equipment and that does figure into it. Um, will it affect demand long term? I think it's, it's it figures into it. Uh, I mean, the reality is these are decisions. These are business tools. These are not, you know, you, you have to have a harvester. You have to have a tractor if you're going to be in the farming business. And, uh, and so it's figured into the input cost, if you will. Uh, but Obviously, that I, I would I would be remiss to say that it doesn't figure into the into the price, but you know it, it's not as much of a driver as it might be in something like you know the automobile sector or something else that is a uh, more of a um, an, an optional person purchase versus a business necessity purchase. Yeah, it makes sense. And what are you hearing from manufacturers about supply chain disruptions? I know many manufacturers that I talk to. They've abandoned just-in-time operation management. They've begun sourcing material locally uh, or within the U.S. Mm-hmm. to protect themselves from the disruption. So what are you seeing? Well, I think one thing we learned in the ag industry and manufacturing in general is that our system was incredibly efficient. Mm-hmm. Uh, just-in-time is great when it yeah. works, mm-hmm. but it's also very fragile. And we learned what that fragility means. I think every manufacturer, whether you're in the equipment business or, you know, manufacturing washing machines or, you know, widgets, um, you're taking a good strong look at that, at that supply chain and looking at diversifying your risk of, of your suppliers, maybe increasing the numbers. So you're not relying on one, just one company, but also one region of the world. As an example, you know, we do operate in a global environment and, um, you know, even if you're, uh, um, most of the equipment may be made, you know, right down the street from you here in the United States or in Canada, but there might be that one or two part that's only able to be sourced from a particular country. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as an example, wire harnesses, a lot of the wire harnesses in the world on the off-road equipment come from Ukraine. Well, we all know what's been going on in Ukraine for the last year. Well, that's a that's that's not a supply chain disruption we were counting on or the sheer number of uh, components, uh, you know, small, you know, metal pieces that might be coming out of Italy. Well, you know, during the pandemic that Italy was was going through rolling shutdowns here and there. Uh, so I think everyone's kind of look at, taking a look at like, well, do we want to rely on one country or one region of the world, especially in a, in a time where we've got some political and other sorts of unrest that are standing in the way? So everybody's taking a look at that diversification. But also, and this is a very important part, we talk about agriculture, uh, being such a seasonal market. I mean, if you miss planting, you miss your income for a year. If you missed harvest, you miss your income for a year. And I think manufacturers of ag equipment take that role very seriously and prioritize wear parts, prioritize anything we can do to get the machines on the field in time for those critical uh, windows, just to make sure that farmers don't miss out on their income. And that includes taking a look at their supply chain, diversifying their supply chain, and smoothing out some of those rough edges that we might have felt over the last couple of years. 
Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And, and as you kind of alluded to before 2022 was, was an unpredictable year, you know, farms seem to sustain blows from all angles, whether it's input prices, fuel prices, um, supply chain, weather, uh, luckily though, it was balanced by high commodity prices. So, right. you know, we came out all right. Uh, what did you see through 2022 that producers could learn from and and leverage going into 2023? Well, the one thing that I, I think we will see is a lasting result of 2022, 2021 with the pandemic, especially on ag equipment uh, and capital goods in general, is that, you know, the 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 days of going to your dealer lot and seeing 15 combines to choose from or 25 tractors to choose one and pick it for delivery tomorrow, I think those days are over. Uh, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. The combine shouldn't be an impulse buy. Uh, so it's, I think, what I would encourage all farmers to do is plan ahead on their capital needs and work closely with their dealers. We're also working closely with the manufacturers. Say, what, what's my business going to look like five years from now? What do I need today? What am I going to need five years? And plan that plan that out uh, and use that, that uh, increased you know, uh, delivery time to your advantage. So you can make good financial and good business decisions for your operation. So that's something that I encourage all, um, you know, farmers to do is take a good look at their equipment needs, not just today, not just for next season, but what are they going to be looking at five years out? That includes the adoption of technology, which has the ability to make things a whole lot more efficient and more sustainable. It's pretty neat to work into it. Uh, and then that also includes, you know, the, the immediate needs of planting and harvest. The other thing that that uh, uh, I think we've learned during the during last year and during the pandemic and with all the supply chain challenges is that for a farmer to have a good working relationship with their local dealer, uh, because you're trying to manage uptime. Uh, that's the goal. The goal is is is, uh, you know, making sure that the machines are operating in that tight window. So if that means working closely to do all your preventative maintenance before you enter into the field and that prevents some downtime two months from now, man, you should absolutely do that. And I think we've all kind of learned that as you plan ahead for the anticipated challenges, it makes those disruptions a whole lot better. And that's just good business sense. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Really good advice. And I have one last question for you. Why do you personally serve the egg industry? What's your greatest passion in all of this? Well, hopefully you can tell from this conversation, I'm kind of passionate about a lot of it. Yeah. But I do think a lot of us in this industry do take personally our responsibility of, of feeding the world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we've got, um, you know, we all make money on this business and that's great. Uh, it, but it's kind of a noble higher calling. And I get I get uh, energized when I have conversations with folks uh, that, you know, one positive thing that came out of the pandemic is people having a new appreciation for the food supply and where food comes from. The other thing that has happened over the last three or four years that has been energizing is the focus on farmers as um, uh, being stewards of the land and being part of the solutions for some of society's greatest ills. I love that farmers are are part of that conversation. We may not all agree on how we're going to get there, but boy, I love being a part of the conversation. And when you think about, you, you can't sequester carbon without green plants, you can't really grow green plants without farmers. That gets me up every day to think, what can we be doing as an industry to tell that story better to anyone that will listen so that we are feeding the world and we're creating a better uh, uh, better environment while also 
make a nice little lifestyle for those of us that have uh, been in this industry our entire careers. Amazing. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And so where can people find you? Where can they uh, keep up to date with what AEM, you know, the reports that are coming out regularly? The best way to learn about AEM is to go to our website, aem.org. That's where you'll see the latest research that we have, the latest presentations, as well as uh, some of the, you know, latest and greatest news and industry information on off-road equipment. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kurt, for joining me today. Great insight, and we're excited for 2023. You bet. Thank you. And thanks to all who are watching or listening. If you want to learn more, all the links are provided in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe to North American Egg Spotlight YouTube, Rumble, Telegram, or Eggfuse channels. And the podcast is available on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Amazon, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And have a great day. Thanks so much for listening to today's Egg Spotlight episode where we put the spotlight on people and companies doing great things for the agricultural industry. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher, or on your favorite podcasting platform and give us a five-star review. You can also follow us on YouTube and Rumble to see the video version of Ag Spotlight. Also, head on over to NorthAmericanAg.com to subscribe to our Industry Connect update newsletter. If you're interested in advertising opportunities, email us at connect at NorthAmericanAg.com. Thanks for listening. Our newest podcast by North American Ag is called What Color Is Your Tractor? The stories behind the ag brands you love and the ag brands you love to hate. Hosted by me, Chrissy Wozniak. We take a deep dive into the companies that have built modern agriculture. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Go to whatcolorisyourtractor.com. Available on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Fastline Auctions, the ultimate destination for online farm equipment auctions. Looking to list equipment? Fastline Auctions knows farmers, and farmers have trusted Fastline for their equipment needs for over 45 years. With unmatched digital reach and direct-to-farmer catalogs, they can find the right buyer for your equipment. Not to mention, they have the industry's lowest commission rates. And if you're looking for equipment to buy, you can bid with confidence. No buyer premiums, no reserves, just integrity. Fastline Auctions, your trusted platform for hassle-free, cost-effective farm equipment auctions. Visit fastline.com for more information. You can join us for a tour of the Fastline Auctions platform July 13th at 6.30 p.m. To register for this webinar, go to northamericanag.com slash fastline hyphen webinar. That's northamericanag.com slash fastline hyphen webinar to register now.